0: Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grains, False Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and an Advanced Cicerone.
1: Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the beer program coordinator with New Realm Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an Advanced Cicerone. So the um, Master Cicerone registration opened. Oh, I saw. I got an email. Week. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> calm down, <Cicerone. laughs> I First of all, I was not ready for registration to be open. And second, I, I, well, I just wasn't ready for it to be open. But I remember last year when the registration email went out and I was talking to one of our former coworkers about it and I said, can Can you believe that in a year this will be applicable to us? (laughs) And here it is, and it's uh, super scary. Yeah,
0: that's uh, plus it filled
1: up like over halfway as soon as they announced because a lot of it was all like retakers. I was gonna
0: say, I bet a lot of people are are like, I'm not waiting. Right. You know? Right. And I was... I'm on this journey now. <laughs> right. But I don't know when I was thinking it would
1: open, but in my mind, I was like, oh, this will open in like March or something. And that makes sense why it would open in January. It's only one test. Right. Once a year. They, right. They know
0: where it's going to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but they only have 20 spots. And so then it's like, okay, do I scrounge together yeah. the $1,000 it takes to register for the exam? I can't, I can't scrounge that together. I can't scrounge together $40 right now if I needed to. (laughs) (laughs) That's coming
0: up. 2021. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Well, and that's my other fear
1: is like, I don't want to wait and then have it fill up and then need to wait until 2021. Yeah. I wouldn't be turb- I will probably be taking it in 2021 <laughs> we're being
0: realistic given the pass rates Good we, can get, we can get an Airbnb together Yeah
1: <laughs> we can stay at our little place in Chicago <laughs>
0: Yeah it's but not going to be easy but I I just got too much going on right now to like yeah. to, luckily to I don't have think
1: about it anything yeah going on like I I sit in an apartment in Atlanta yeah. and That's nice Yeah sounds really nice Um, It's not bad. I have a neighbor who smokes a lot of weed that just all (laughs) wafts into my house. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and dumpsters right outside of my window that seemingly need emptied six times every morning at 630 in the morning. (laughs) So anyway, one of the main topics you need to know (laughs) for the Master Cicerone is troubleshooting. Oh, man. Pew, pew, pew.
0: You could have I'm a whole shooting. test That's on That's me this. shooting troubles. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get them? Yeah. <laughs> nice. We, uh, I was going to say the last time we talked about this, this yeah. is our second time talking about this because Jen's intern. <laughs> <laughs> the Jen-turn. The jen <laughs> <laughs> Nice. No. What's her name?
1: Uh, I'm not saying. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't going to like look her up. I was right. just going to give her a little <laughs> shit. <laughs> and it's not. It's, it's, it's not in, her fault. Right. And it it's could, Jen's
0: fault. I was going to say it could potentially be my fault. One hundred percent. I need to troubleshoot. <laughs> so this is our. We we did this episode once, and yeah. we were we were like we were doing we were good, on. man. It was we good, guys, you guys, <laughs> <laughs> you guys missed out. Yeah. It was about troubleshooting. We started all the way from you know the you know the grain milling the grain to troubleshooting in the brewing process. Mm-hmm. So let me clarify. We're not helping you with your life problems, okay? We have our own problems, right? But brewing problems, we're here for you. Yeah. <laughs> so troubleshooting the brewing process, you know, it's good. We went through milling, mashing, lottering. Um, You know, we we will eventually have an episode explaining all these terms I'm talking about. Yes. But for now, you will know. And <laughs> boiling and knocking out and yeah, we were on a roll. So so much we took the whole time and that we had a lot for two episodes. We just kept on going decided right. we would do uh, a two-parter so that got erased so or possibly never recorded oh good <laughs> i like to think it got erased yeah me too i think <laughs> I, I
1: think that it got reformatted when i, I loaned my sd card yeah. for a camera shoot, photo yeah. shoot.
0: jen's turn <laughs> well but that's okay so we're gonna do it again so we're going to be even better right. and more efficient at it. Because we've troubleshot our last episode <laughs> and, and we know what we should have done and differently. And for record, before we <laughs> uh, started recording, we did do a little test to make sure we were recording and we downloaded the iPad, you know, the laptop, make sure we got everything we need to go. So that's what you do when you mess up. Yeah and you yes, uh, troubleshoot and you right. learn from that right. and then you uh continue on new best practice is to
1: immediately upload the yes. episode we just recorded to but my
0: i c- i can't fault her cuz i don't do anything you guys i just <laughs> I just show up to this. And she shows
1: up in that big fur coat with the big sunglasses. <laughs> if and you know me, you know that's not true. Like screaming for coffee, and mm-hmm. yeah, we can't make eye contact with her. <laughs> She's just like Mariah Carey. The hardest part
0: about getting my coffee in the morning is like remembering to come here and not drive to the brewery. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've done that. <laughs> it's the same thing, you know. I just drive this way. It's the same coffee, and then where else am I going to go? I go to the brewery every day, right? <laughs> Why would I go anywhere different? troubleshoot that right (laughs) put in my gps (laughs) remind me where i'm going but all right so when we talk about troubleshooting in the brewing process we know that whether you're home brewing commercial brewing whether you're all grain brewing dme brewing you always run into something like running into problems is inevitable it's part of the learning process right it's um nobody does everything perfect plus everybody's system is always different you know there's a ton of um not only things that you need to learn about troubleshooting for beer but you know you knowing your system and your equipment is a big part of that too Mm -hmm. like for example we used to i know i've said it probably on this podcast before but we in our before we had the brewery we had our home brew system up in our um 10 story freaking condo, so we didn't (laughs) i didn't care i'm brewing so i rolled that thing out to the balcony you know there's a lot of wind so that was like an issue for me when I was trying to keep a boil. Right. Like I had to constantly, not every day had the same wind. Not every part of that hour had the same amount of wind. Right. Like <laughs> I am constantly messing with the, uh, you know, propane. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't, you know, the, it, the fake propane. Yeah, the propane. <laughs> 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 it's like, it's like hot water, like dripping off, like the side of the balcony. People were like, why is the rain so hot? <laughs> right. Right. I'm just kidding. I was really careful. I had tarp. <laughs> <laughs> but these are real things. Yeah,
1: well, and it's funny because I always think like... Particularly when it comes to systems and you just get used to the own to like the quirks of your system, it's just like when you've got like an older car or something, and like you're yeah. used to the fact that like the back passenger's door doesn't yeah. unlock and you have to like reach across and unlock it or you know something like that. And you always have to tell people, like, oh, you, you actually, like, somebody else needs to, yeah. like, let you out. Or when right? you get
0: a new car, yeah. you're like, how do I drive this? Oh, <laughs> it's one so time annoying. I, I love this sh- car, I but fuck it. Yeah, I shouldn't
1: say, tell this story. Hopefully nobody from Enterprise Rent-A-Car is listening. And um, sorry for everybody, I'm about to horrify. But one time I had rented <laughs> this Jeep, and um, I wasn't expecting to get, I think it was an upgrade. So I had this really nice brand new Jeep, but... I have a 2007 car. Like, I, I don't have any, there's no, like, display or anything like that. Luckily, like, I, they don't have to, like, roll down the windows myself, you know. <laughs> but um, I, don't, I don't have any newfangled technology yeah. in my car, and I'm not used to it. And it's kind of dangerous for somebody <laughs> like me to be in a car like that. And it was the first car I was in that was keyless. And so, like, I got in and I was like, how do I start this car? And he's like, well, you press the button that says go or, like, whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah, idiot. Right. yeah, (laughs) I was like, I've never never been in one of these cars. So it had these buttons on top of the steering wheel that it turns out are for when you go off-roading. Mm. and mm. you can change gears oh
0: i do that all the freaking time in my car on accident and i don't know how to get it back so i right. always like the first time it happened i had to pull over and turn the car off that's do.
1: exactly what i did because i discovered that um that does not control the volume of the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> the so, volume of the steering wheel? yes well because it's like plus and minus so i wanted to turn the oh music the volume and, of the music uh, yeah, in the steering wheel yeah, yeah. The,
0: of the stereo your, your 2007 has that it has it on the wheel. Oh, okay, cool. I'm just you know trying to get my years lined right. up. as young then. Yeah, it
1: was the same thing <laughs> where good. I just I pulled over and like got the manual out and was just like, what? How do I fix this? <laughs> now that I've just like shifted into a lower gear while I'm driving. Oh, you didn't do anything. I do that all the time. Right, but you, I you did. Didn't I was the car. Like, I just like. <laughs>
0: Poked the ignition
1: button, <laughs> turned it off, and sat there for a couple of minutes, and then turned it back on, <gasps> and
0: it was fine. <laughs> I just want to think about what it's done. <laughs> no, I totally get you. Though the first time, it, so I have this like little flap, and uh, this is so off guard. I'm sorry. This is why our last episode took the whole two hour time slot. <laughs> but you have to listen. Listen, so, we make it relatable. Yeah. So I had this little, I have these flaps that underneath my steering wheel. So I have mm-hmm. my steering wheel, and then where my hands sit nine and three are these little flat like it's a button but it's like a flat button it's made so you can just like a paddle okay and um it shifts is it shifts gears like from drive to drive one to sport like i don't know what any. and first of all <laughs> this is automatic car so right. why are you shifting gears right <laughs> what gears do you have to shift <laughs> so if i hit this flat i still do not know how to like get back to the original <laughs> setting with these paddles right. i have to like just go put my car in like I just hit the drive button because I have buttons now. I don't have the yeah. toggle, you know, the really thing. Yeah. I have like a reverse button, a drive button, a park button. It's very strange. No, it took a it took a while. But <laughs> now I'm used to it. But I so now I've learned, like, but the first time I had to pull over, I was like, ah, cause the car like <laughs> slowed down but revved up. And I was like, what do I do? This car is supposed to be smarter than me. <laughs> so then I just pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> and then like the third time it happened, my husband with was with me. And I was like, shit, what do I, the fucking car. I hate this car for this reason. He's like, just hit this button. I was like, oh, you mean I don't have to pull over, turn the car off? <laughs> He's like, that one, that's what you've been doing? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yes. Nose, yeah, ready? Yeah, so. so troubleshooting. <laughs> right, but yeah, but, systems but I didn't, can be like I didn't that. just didn't freak out and like cause an accident. I like, okay, okay. I will pull over, turn off the car, because I don't know what else to do. So that was my troubleshooting. Right.
1: (laughs) For troubleshooting systems. And I'm not great with it, because I just, like, I learn to use whatever system we have. And then when we
0: move to a new system, I learn how to use that. Oh, yeah. And I don't... It's not like riding a bike. It's not like you can just go rid... I mean, it's not, like... Like every airplane is different. You can't just go fly one airplane and then go fly another. Like right. you probably can, but you should be a little trained on what the quirks and what this right. and that and right. Well, and like the
1: first time I brewed at pilot on the co-pilot system, I I can see what the equipment is. I know I know how it works, but yeah, it's like, well, do you are you using this port or this port? And I can never get the pump. Correct. Like We have we have a pump on our system, too. And I'll get all the hoses on and get everything hooked up to, like, run the um, PBW through it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll like I'll be like, OK, Tom, double check to make sure I did this. And he's like, OK, well, you put it in like you like you need to switch these two hoses. And I was like, oh, I thought that was the in and that was the out. And he was like, well, it says on the side that this is the this is the um this is the end. But again, now I know because I just, I didn't see that. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, okay, I've I've got this. Yeah. Um, But yeah, with the um, troubleshooting, we've both been brewing for
0: long enough that we have,
1: we can tell you a lot of these things because we've done these
0: things. Oh man, so many mistakes.
1: Yeah. And. But that's what makes you better. Right, exactly. And so I know I had mentioned that I had been reading The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And that is one of the things that he he says is, you know, everybody always has problems. Mm-hmm. and what you want in life is to have better problems. like trade up to have better problems. And that's what with this troubleshooting stuff, you know there's some things now that seem really obvious to us, but there I know there's other things I do that people are like, "Why on earth are you doing it that way?" Mm-hmm. or of course like of course, you're you continue to have these problems. Um, and it's funny we were actually talking yesterday. Uh, I'm getting a recipe together for a lager and brewing next weekend. And uh, Tom and I were talking about it, and he said, You know, the quality of our beer in the last couple of years seems to have gotten worse somehow, even though we have better equipment. And I was like, well, we've gotten better at tasting beer, And I think that's what the problem is is that we can taste, you know we we have better palates now to pick up on things and now we also know how we can go back and tweak it. I remember being at a homebrew meeting in Chicago. Um, gosh, I guess it would have been like 5 or 6 years ago now and taking this saison we made to our homebrew meeting and I really wish I could go back in time and taste the spirit to taste how bad it was mm-hmm. <laughs> because and it's one of the only batches that we've ever dumped. We like we didn't even like it and usually we can I- even if it doesn't turn out exactly the way we like, we can still power through it. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys in the homebrew club tasted it and was like, oh, I'm getting a lot of green apple
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of butter and all this. And we thought it tasted great. Yeah. And so I would love to go back and taste that beer now. Well, that's I mean, that's <laughs> very common with,
0: like, I sat through many a- tasting panels and not knowing what I was tasting. I mean, they could talk to me all day and, like, it just took a while before I could really pick up what I was, yeah, what right. what they told me I was tasting. And then, like, then it clicks. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and it's funny we're doing the uh, the cicerone trainings right now at the brewery, and one of our front of house managers this past week we were doing um, quality assessment, and and I you know I'd given them a panel of off flavors that would happen after the beer leaves the brewery, Mm -hmm. so you know I like uh, that that's good. T2N light struck, acetic acid and diacetyl, and we were talking about these are the flavors that could happen after the beer leaves the brewery that are that is mishandled mm-hmm. you know on like and, and just to
0: be clear these flavors can happen because of the brewery but right but this this was, specifically, this was specific yeah yes yeah, i just don't want to confuse yeah.
1: anyone um but he's he was like man this this diacetyl is a lot stronger than it was the last time and i was like is it a lot stronger or do you just know what you're tasting now mm-hmm. you know and it was kind of like a
0: oh maybe i do yeah
1: <laughs> because i said it's the same it's the same threshold yeah. of the spike So Personally, many i know that so the spike was a little bit too. older than like the one that he was just tasting sure. but yeah i was like you have also sat through three classes now yeah. and learned about diacetyl maybe yeah. you're just better at tasting it yeah it's sure. the exact same threshold sorry so we got a little off topic no there, but, but it's but
0: all about troubleshooting because if you got to know I mean, if you want to troubleshoot fermentation problems, you got to know these all flavors. Yeah. Or packaging problems or, like, even sales reps, super important because if you're going out to an account and they say the draft line, you know, this beer tastes bad, and maybe it's their draft line. Mm -hmm. And if you know the beer is tasting fine at the brewery and, you know, same batch, whatever, well, you're going to know to ask when's the last time the draft lines were cleaned. Right. So that's important for because you just don't want a sales rep who is just going to be like, "Okay, well, let me take it back for you," right? I'm like, no, no, right. no. You need to go understand what, the, how this could be a problem, and and determine if it's really the brewery's problem right. or right.
1: not. And that's actually happened to me before, where some place I was working was not great about cleaning draft lines, mm-hmm. and uh, on a consistent basis. And we had a beer that we put on that was from a brewery that personally I think was very overrated at the mm-hmm. time and I think got a lot of passes on quality. Mm-hmm. And there was the beer just had a terrible diacetyl mm-hmm. in it. And we pulled the keg and luckily we had gotten two kegs from them, so we put on the other keg and the diacetyl was just as bad. Mm-hmm. And when we contacted the brewery, they said, Well, we sent out, you know, X number of these kegs. You're the only ones who have complained about it having diacetyl, but then it's like, well, you're also kind of overrated and people aren't calling you on a lot of stuff and you're also very popular. So you're pushing a lot of things out the door really mm-hmm. quickly. And, you know, as, as, as we've learned and that I'm sure we'll probably get to it, diacetyl can form after the, the uh, beer has been packaged. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was kind of that component of it, but then at the same time it was like, well, actually when was the last time that this draft line was cleaned? Yeah. Because it could be, if they're saying we're the only ones who are complaining, yeah, that's true. We're putting it on the same
0: line. I had a guy, uh, an account call and um, they had ordered a cream on. Well, it doesn't matter if it was on Nitro, but it was mm-hmm. they had or- they had ordered a beer on Draft, and um, he ca- he started texting me. And he's like, "This beer is like water. It's clear. It's like pouring like water. It's like watery." And I'm like. Thinking, like, I'm going through, like, does he have his restrictor plate on? You know, is it, like, what does he mean, watery? He's, like, sending me, you know, and then um I was, like, you know, we were te- I wasn't there. We were texting, which made it a little bit more difficult. And then he, I guess he had just pulled some more through, and he was, like, oh, the guys who come and clean the draft lines didn't pull the beer through, so it was water. <laughs> <laughs> just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> like seriously man don't be so quick like you know you you should know that your draft lines just got clean right and this you know like yes they probably should pull the beer through but if it's you're the first one in the day and they probably didn't you know like just pull a little more through (laughs) double check right and and, go look at your draft line in the cooler and see if it's water right (laughs) or beer right Ah. and we
1: um We've we've talked about the the halfster, half-ster detective agency, and that's also happened <laughs> to do, do, me do. once at <laughs> at a do, um, do, do. at a beer festival where I was pouring in the VIP area. So we had uh, we were actually pouring from taps, not from jockey boxes, and the cakes were in the cold box. And at the like the night before at the training, the person from the Coliseum had said we just got the draft lines cleaned yesterday. And so, like, they're all ready for you guys. You can just hook them up. And so we're hooking up all the kegs, and nothing's coming out. And, and they, you know, and it's volunteers. And, like, I'm I'm not confident in hooking up, like, using a coupler just because I, I don't use it. But any time I see somebody use it, I'm like, oh, that seems really easy. But I'm sure I would somehow find a way to mess it up.
0: <laughs> you probably would, to be honest. Yeah, but, I mean, if you don't know, you don't know. Right, and <laughs> so we were
1: checking the couplers and everything, and uh, I go back in the cold box, and in my head I was like, oh, wait, they just said that the lines were cleaned yesterday. And so I looked, and the fobs hadn't been reset. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's foam on beer, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in our definitions episode, but, um, you know, it was just a matter of s- turning that switch on and resetting it, and then, you know, you see the fob fill up with beer, and then you pour just fine. And that was one of those things where I was, like, I kind of want to, like, I wish that there was, like, and karma points that you could get where I could be, like, okay, listen, so I missed this question on the exam, but let me tell you about the time that I used my and draft system skills. You
0: should. <laughs> <laughs> if you have time, go back and write that story. <laughs> I'm so serious. I'd probably give you a point. <laughs> right. I'm serious. Like, pull out all cards. If right. you're taking the advanced Cicero. Or the Master Cicerone, you brain dump. <laughs> yeah, I don't care what it's about.
1: Yeah. You plead you for your life.
0: And one time, I got a fob for Christmas. So I took it apart, and then <laughs> Listen, <laughs> whatever I, it is. <laughs> yeah, I
1: do need to buy a fob. I keep thinking about that to uh, to take it apart, um, because that was something that Master Cicerone Rich Higgins had told me about oh, when yeah. I said, what would you recommend to study for the Master? And he said, find somebody who will let you break equipment and put it back together again.
0: Yeah um nitro too. nitro spout Mm -hmm. like the faucet yeah it's like a whole you got to like break that down name and all kind of thing could be yeah yeah i have a nitro spout
1: that at um, homebrew competitions often they'll have raffles for judges like as a thank you and i was at one and i think i've said this before on a um on an episode but when i was there One of the things you could get, because it's usually just a lot of swag, and, you know, I don't need more, like, brewery T-shirts or stickers or anything like that. I definitely don't need pint glasses. And they had a nitro spout there, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take this because... Yeah, I that's can good, because I'm sure new, new Realm
0: doesn't want you taking theirs apart. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although they do Let have Let me a borrow <laughs> this. I'm just going to take this They home. do have a
1: box of faucets uh, that I've been bringing to our... We've been studying draft systems. Yeah, definitely. And no, so stuff's good. Bringing the faucets in and saying, like, this is how you take it apart. Here's a coupler. Here's how this works. Um, but that's why I think... We keep saying like we're going to start with the mashing, and I keep going to draft systems because that's what I've been talking about for the past two weeks at work. Is <laughs> here's how you troubleshoot draft systems, and here's what happens when you get these
0: kind no, of no. It's okay. Trouble, there's a whole side of troubleshooting for that stuff for draft systems for the front side of the house mm-hmm. for uh, quality control. You know, it's all really important, especially if you are working, and most people are on the front side of the ha- of the tasting room or the brewery. You right. know, like serving that beer, cleaning draft lines um you know draft lines really do need to be cleaned every two weeks it's not like you can't skip on it like you can't just be like oh every three weeks like no that's not how it works right it has to be done every two weeks that build up will happen faster like you can't just be like oh i'll get it here that's fine that will last you for a little bit but eventually you'll have to replace your lines um sooner we're gonna do flip into a brewing side of troubleshooting yes we're going to start as if you were getting the grain yourself. Now, we won't start with the malting process because that is not your job. <laughs> but you've gotten, um, hopefully, nice quality grain from your brew supplier or your local whatever. You're getting ready for brew day. So I think one thing we've mentioned is before is like quality of ingredients have gotten a lot better mm-hmm. and a lot more accessible to the homebrew side. Yes. Uh, Even for us commercial brewers, we're getting a lot more um, uh, local malt, especially here in North Carolina. The one thing I've noticed with the local malt versus, um, I guess, European is the efficiency. I'm getting a lot better efficiency with European. Mm -hmm. Um, I love using local product as much as possible. The price doesn't bother me. Even the lack of efficiency doesn't bother me that much but uh (laughs) just kidding but uh, that's a real thing so like you know the first couple times you you don't really know like they give you the as much information as possible like these companies run a malt analysis Mm -hmm. and even as a home brewer you can like get this information you can put it in your beersmith like if you use beersmith um beersmith provides you with a lot of information that has to be updated Right, um, alpha acids for hops being one thing, yeah, um but any any sort of moisture content protein con- anything any information you can get from these malts, I will put into the system and do the best I can, mm-hmm. but it's you don't really know until you brew a batch of beer, so i mean i I had to take my efficiency down probably like six points, right, and well, I had to add more malt to make up for that, sure, I will also say when. Uh, and you know just
1: just to defend craft malt not that you're not that yeah. you're uh, attacking it or anything but with a lot of other suppliers they have they blend their batches and so they blend the batch so it's and It's, it's not it's not good or bad it's just it's just it's a just, data
0: point it's just like a but they blend they the can malt. do that like right, yeah yeah they have
1: the economies of scale yeah. and they will blend it you so get that's more why yeah so you get, yeah. they'll blend it to get that efficiency whereas with a lot of craft maltsters they're dealing with like a single origin, yeah. so they've got a one harvest that they're um, that they're pulling from, and since they're such a smaller scale, everything is super fresh, mm-hmm. and they don't have stock. Mm-hmm. and And, and th- there are a few that have enough volume that they can blend to get yeah. a certain efficiency, uh, but that is like that's that's why. Yeah,
0: you know, that's a good point. See, we're troubleshooting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't actually help me fix anything. <laughs> right, right, but it is important It is but important to, to know. You, yeah, to understand why. Right. But um, it's not – yeah, and it's fine. Like, we still use it. It's not, like, a big deal. But it was something I had to figure right. out and adjust and add more malt, which I can only put so much malt in my mash tun, right. to be honest with you. Right. But there's other ways that you can get gravity up, too, and that – we'll get to that. Right. But right. um, if you are having a, an efficiency issue and you didn't quite hit your gravity – and when we talk about, when we say gravity, we mean the sugar content of your wart. And when we say wart, we mean the water, <laughs> the sugar water we're creating in the mash. Terms. We should have done that episode first. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. My bad. You know, it'll just make you think about um, the term episode when we do have it. Right. Send us some uh, some I- some ideas that you want to explain, you know, right. that you can't Google, it I guess. W- yeah, it will just be <laughs> us just reading definitions. <laughs> lot Yeah. <laughs> Transfer of the what? <laughs> but that's me doing it in an accent, so it's a little bit better. Right. That was if that was you kind also of like a, accent requests. It actually when you wasn't send in the terms. a very good accent. Right. I don't even know what that like, was.
1: Like, please, please read this as like an old timey prospector or something. <laughs> read this definition. <laughs> okay. I mean, like old lady. <laughs> Barrel.
0: What is that's that? my old lady who smokes a lot. <laughs> she works at a diner. She's got a cup of coffee. She calls you sport. Yeah, she says, hey honey. <laughs> you got your coffee. She got the cigarette hanging out of her mouth. And she proves <laughs> beer. <fear. laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she and doesn't some, prove beer. Somehow
1: she has this That's not me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
0: serve <send> you coffee, <laughs> yeah. your eggs, and tell you how to lada.
1: Sorry, okay. I'm sorry. It's this is why we need suggestions for uh, <laughs> voices. <to
0: do. laughs> you didn't like that?
1: <laughs> no, it was, it was great. Uh, so yeah, I will say um, if you don't take anything away from this episode other than the fact that we're idiots sometimes.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to get to the main points here, but it's just tough. Your
1: anybody listening who has a mill, your mill is adjustable it is <laughs> and, and that that is a thing that i know is <laughs> don't kind of tell me it's not is, yeah <laughs> well it's kind of a thorn in the side of craft maltsters who don't again you know if, if you're a larger malt house you have the ability to blend so everything more or less meets specs. yeah so for a long time if you had if you were milling your own grain you didn't need to worry because everything was fairly uniform in size yeah. if you're using a local malt or uh, or a craft malt then or even some like smaller runs from uh, you know from larger malt houses then you might need to adjust mm-hmm. that and that's a way that you can troubleshoot your efficiency because I know that's happened a lot of times um I know recently I was talking to a craft maltster who had a brewer who was saying like the the efficiency that is on your COA and that certificate of analysis, everyone. The,
0: the the That that's what you get from your malt house when you say, Hey, tell me about this malt, and they're like, Here's this COA right. and that tells you all about the malt like all the tests they ran on. Right. It.
1: And you know, he was saying this this it says that it's this efficiency, but I'm not getting this efficiency and he's milling his own grain. Sure. Um, and then the maltster bought a mill and started pre milling for people. And guess what? The brewer's efficiency went way up Mm -hmm. because the maltster was adjusting the mill to the correct
0: Yeah. But as a brewer, you should be checking for that. You should take a sample of your malt that you just milled and say, is this good enough? Right. Like, you should understand the crack that you need. And you want something that's not too fine, not too coarse. And I know there's, you know... You got to find the happy medium, but you need to expose that enzyme without overcrushing your husk. Mm-hmm. And um, what, we, what that will do if you do over your husk is it could cause some astringent flavors in the right. mash or in the boil or in the overall beer. But uh, that's a real thing because, like at, at Pilot, we're so small that we get our base malt pre milled, mm-hmm. which is especially helpful from the local guys. Um, because if I do have something I have to mill from them, I, then I do have to adjust my crack right. because it is a little bit smaller right? and it just doesn't go, or, or if you can't adjust or if you're in a hurry or something, you can always maybe double mill.
1: I've done that. Before. And I've
0: done that before. I wouldn't like really triple because then you're kind of maybe exposing that husk too much. But right.
1: I was just say then you're just making flour. Yeah. Like you're, you don't you're really, going to have a stuck lock. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know, so there's ways that you can like, if you're like, adjust my mill. How do I do that? Which I do that whiny voice a lot with Jeff. You, <laughs> what? Can you just double mill it? <laughs> He's like, I'll do it. I'm like, thanks.
1: Yeah, I, I, we have a mill at home that I hate. And it's like 50-50 on whether it's going to work. And I always get a little yeah. scared when like it, when it works correctly for like the first batch that I'm milling. Because then when I, I know, like, yeah. It's just like As soon as you turn it off. Right. It, it, yeah. yeah, it's gonna like get me hooked thinking that everything's gonna <laughs> be. I, I fine. know that feeling. I yeah. does that too. <laughs> and I don't um so I don't pre mill and that's also why I don't uh buy pre milled because I don't I'm not usually buying grain the same day. Yeah. And I don't when you're when you get pre milled you have to be really careful about climate control. And you can't just like have it sitting in your kitchen waiting for brew day because it might absorb some water from from the um
0: yeah, you want to keep it away from w- moisture, you want to keep it sealed up right, and
1: so if I have anything that's already been milled, it goes in um a, like the f- we have a one of our beer fridges is for like fermentation and stuff, and I, I put it in the freezer above yeah. that just to keep it cold and to keep as much moisture out of it as possible but the mill is one of those things like when i go to on brew day and the mill won't work i'm just like well uh i guess i'll just burn down the house and never brew again (laughs) fuck this brew day because it's like the first thing that i'm doing and it's not working
0: Oh man! If uh, every bre- if all breweries felt like that, we would never get anything done. No. I know but everything, breaks. but it is. It's
1: just like you. You know, you get everything ready to go. And I definitely have started doing like, like the homebrew version of like mise en place, where I get all of my grain milled, I get all of my hops measured out, I get my yeah. salts ready for my water, I get everything ready to go before I even start. Yeah, you my water for the. You're mash. that
0: brewer I get annoyed with. <laughs> like get the water growing don't worry <laughs> about that stuff the boil doesn't happen for like another two and a half hours you don't need your hops right now you just get that water going and then you worry about your salts but you know it takes right. 30 minutes for us to get the water in right right exactly <laughs> it's different
1: and yeah well and the way we have so uh, on our homebrew system we have a bruzilla, and it is so we have temp control on the water and uh Tom actually plumbed from our hot water tank, hot and cold water faucets, like just right next in the garage, right next to the bruzilla. Mm-hmm. So I can fill it up with hot water and the water, since it's right off the tank, gets hot enough right yeah. away. So yeah. it usually great. I have to like stop and add a little bit of cold water yeah. to get that mash temperature correct. Um, but that's very
0: luxury for home brewing. It
1: is because before we would either fill five gallon buckets with hot water mm-hmm. from the sink and then carry it outside, dump it in the kettle and then we have, you know, like the thermometers. Like, don't use that one; use the good thermometer. But this one's off sometimes too. So we're using like three thermometers and like <laughs> averaging what <laughs> what the water temp is going to be because for some reason
0: we just have not bought a digital thermometer yet. Thermopin, that's what I've heard. Best hundred bucks you ever spend. That's what I've instant. heard. Instant and like really good quality. Like ours has been fine; lasts forever. Yeah. Instant reading though, like real, real instant. Nice,
1: but uh, um. Yeah, that's, that's, if the, if the mill is messing up, then I'm just like, I'm done with this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, if your mill is messing up, normally you could, well, you pro- you probably might be using a drill anyways. Mm-hmm. Most of you probably are using a drill anyways. Um, I was going to say you could try a drill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what you're using. Right. Um. Or uh, you just take it to your local homebrew store and mill it there if you really, really need to and you want to get your brew day done. But yes. there is a way. When there's a will, when there's a mill, there's a way. No. No? <laughs> oh. No? Okay. Oh, man. Well, while we're al- talking a little bit about water, let's go ahead and talk about a little bit about water. Yes. Um, Because water's a real ingredient in beer, everyone. It's very important mm-hmm. what type of water you're putting in your beer and Um, you don't need to know like all the chemistry of the water, but if you could figure out a couple things about your water, it's going to help you brew better beer. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you are tasting something, maybe something like metallic or maybe, um, chlorine, chlorine, or maybe like a geosim even, Mm -hmm. which is like, um, beets. (laughs) yeah but it's uh we'll talk more about that because a whole other episode really, but like you need to look it up but uh so maybe something like that is right. coming from your water. so are you using well water are you um
1: you, is it's your water cold. soft
0: is it is right. it hard? I mean y- you know depending on where you live, a lot of this is gonna play a factor. Right. so if you are using like water that you think it's absolute crap then you can go buy distilled water. Mm-hmm. You can use that, which is not super expensive. I mean, depending on how much beer you're brewing, but, like, anything for your... Depending if you're all-grain or DME brewing, anything that you're mixing with that pro- final product of water-wise, you want it to be right. good.
1: And sometimes we'll go buy distilled water, like if we're doing an American Light Lager or something, and we we, we need something that is zero across the board, and yeah. then build it up. And
0: gin has well water. Yes,
1: yeah, and... um Our, the great thing about that one is that our calcium content is way, way higher than anything else you can get. Oh, so you're probably like good there. Yeah. In, in Charlotte and Atlanta, both like pretty much if you're in the Southeast, you're going to have really soft water. Yes. And that's great because it means you can build up, but it's also, it can also be problematic because if you've got something, you know, like if you're brewing a lot of IPAs and you don't, you just don't have a very high sulfate content or very high calcium content, then you'll be adding uh, salts to your water to get that good, like, hot bitterness and crispness Mm -hmm. to it. Um, But the other good thing about the well water is that we don't have to worry about chlorine. Yeah. And as a troubleshooting example, at one of our homebrew club meetings a couple of years ago... This guy said, like, I've got this beer. I don't know what's wrong with it. I just know that it doesn't taste right. And a lot of times, like, and we were talking about that in the the training course the other day when we were doing the quality assessments because one of the employees said, I don't know exactly what's wrong with this beer, but I know that there's something wrong with it. It's not right because we were also using new realm beers to dose. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I was like, that's great. That's a a great starting point. If you can say, I just, I know that this doesn't taste right. Like that's a very good starting point to then figure out what it is that doesn't taste right, which is going to lead you to what went wrong that you could fix the next time. Right. Mm -hmm. So it leads you to having better problems. And he said this, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with this beer. And I smelled it. and I was like this, whoa, chlorine, this is chlorophenols. And I said, Where, are you using city water? And he said, yeah, I use city water, but I've never had this problem before. And part of me was thinking, uh, you you may have if you're on city water and you're not like boiling first or letting it sit out to mm-hmm. let that water, to let that chlorine evaporate out of the water. But I said, you know, if he said, well, I brewed first thing in the morning. I've never had this problem before. And I was like, "There, you know, there's a good chance that you happen to fill up like your brewing water right after they did a heavy dose of chlorine yeah. in the municipal water, which can happen a lot. And so if you if you don't think you've had this problem before, I'm betting that's what happened is, especially if you're brewing first thing in the morning, a lot of times that's when they've done like a heavy mm-hmm. dose. You know, it's still safe for human consumption. Sure, but sure. They've done a heavy dose of chlorine and you just happen to pull your water from that point. So either you just distilled or get a filter or even just fill up, get your brewing water ready And let it set overnight to let Mm -hmm. some of those chlorines and chloramines evaporate out, and you should be fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That's at the brewery, we have Charlotte City water. It's really soft, but we uh, chlorine filter it. And then we just add salts, depending on what Mm -hmm. kind of beer we're brewing. Right. But it is always a good
1: idea to taste (coughs) your brewing water. I know a lot of breweries will do that every day. Like, you taste the brewing water, the cleaning water, um, and it's just, you know, real quick, just like... Yeah, you our cleaning water is the
0: same as our brewing water, right? Because you don't want to be cleaning with water that has chlorine in it. Right. It defeats the purpose. Right, like you need to <laughs> Right. You don't want that stuff touching your beer. Yeah,
1: so that's just an easy troubleshooting is to taste it before before you start brewing. And mm-hmm. I know we used to use our garden hose to mm-hmm. fill up our mash tun and then we got a beer that ended up tasting like garden hose. And yeah. so we just got Ugh. Tubing for brewing, and, yeah. and you know, and got the little um, whatever the little pieces to just hook onto the hose, like the mm-hmm. faucet, yeah, yeah, and put the hose on that, and then get the water from that because it didn't have the hose flavor. To yeah, that.
0: exactly. No, that's all important stuff. You gotta. We have specific hoses. We have, mm-hmm. you know, high temp, high pressure hoses for part- right certain reasons, and but uh, you know, with brewing with the water, if you do, you know, water. These salts that we talk about brewing salts, we add these to kind of mimic the style of water of where this style originated from Mm. a lot of the times. Um, Whether it's an Irish beer with a lot of dark malt or a hoppy beer, you know, hoppy beer, you're going to add a lot of gypsum or some extra gypsum more than you would other styles Mm because that's really going to accentuate your hop. Um, So... You can do a water test. That's really cheap and easy. Uh, w- ward. Yeah, Ward Labs. Ward Labs kind. is what we use, and they're like forty bucks. Yeah, and it's, that's yeah, that's what I really use at easy. home.
1: That's what New Realm uses. I think um, you like, and it's super cool. fast. Too. I think
0: you, they send you what you need. You fill it up, mm-hmm. and you send it back. Yeah, and it's really fast. It's really easy, and it's a good way to just know what's in your water. And then if you want to, uh, you know, what what do you do with that information? Well, if you are using um like Beersmith to write a program or whatever, you know how much gallons you're looking for, you know what kind of style you're doing, whatever mm-hmm. I like to use um what is it Brewer's friend water oh, yeah. chemistry the water calen- yeah. uh calculator that they have online you yeah. can just google Brewer's friend water calculator yeah Brewer's
1: friend has a lot of great calculators yeah i usually yeah, use yeah they ABV, have a lot like ABV all sorts of stuff I yeah,
0: lot. I use that and uh but I like brewing water that's, yeah that's the that's one another that one. Use. And, like, you could say, okay, I have, you know, 20 gallons of water. I want to brew this, like, really light-colored and hoppy beer. And this is my water now. So this is where, you, like, mm-hmm. it will ask you what's your level of calcium and magnesium and sodium. You take those numbers off your water report. You enter it into, what that, into the columns, and then you press a button, and they say, okay, here is these target numbers you are looking for, mm-hmm. and then you could add some. If you just want to start out safe or, like, low, Key with different, there's so many different salts out there. Mm-hmm. Just get a little calcium chloride and have a little gypsum. Yeah. Those are kind of like your salt and pepper, if you will. Right. And using a ratio of those um and this is pretty much if you have soft water i couldn't really really tell you too much what to do yeah, with hard you, water yeah, if like if you had s-
1: hard water i would think you would just use distilled or ro water yeah exactly time. you
0: would want to change your water right soften it up right and then you can add more sauce um and i will <laughs> add
1: too that the i know um i'm pretty sure you still have the same version of Beersmith. you have an older yeah, version i, think than I, I do two. but the um the new like the 3.0 beersmith has the water oh, cool in, in it. Nice. So like what you would do with brew and water or brewer's friend, that's in yeah. uh, Beersmith now. Yeah,
0: cool. I like that. I do need to update that. Yeah, your Beersmith is really out of date. I don't care. <laughs> Just
1: use it to keep track of all the recipes. And right. Well and that's what I do too. i usually make my recipe uh by hand and then put it into Beersmith <laughs> as kind of a check. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. a good way to save it. Um but, but uh, yeah I should update it. Um, one thing that I think is interesting that I learned at HomebrewCon last year from uh, sitting in on a panel where John Palmer was there is that if you are a DME brewer, so if you're doing extract brewing, the you should always be using distilled water. And that's uh, once he explained it, it made perfect sense. So DME or LME is going to be dehydrated uh, or dry malt extract or liquid malt extract and I think we've talked about this before, but it's basically cake mix versus f- cake from scratch. Um, don't get Rachel started. On <laughs> everything's included it's in not the not always box. that clear. Okay. <laughs> but um, since they have the way that they make it is they basically do the mash and then yeah and then make an extract out of it so they've already done because you're adding salts to your mash and potentially your sparge Mm -hmm. it's not going in the boil kettle so they have added all of those like they have optimized that extract and so you shouldn't be adding anything else to it um to your boil which again it never occurred to me just because i always one i don't extract brew very often and I just always treat my water, yeah. No, like no matter what exactly that wouldn't occur to me either because yeah, I don't extract brew, but yeah, he's like, you, you don't, you should always be using distilled or RO uh, reverse osmosis water when you're using that because that's our all of that work has already been done for you.
0: And if you're DME brewing, you're probably just doing five gallons, maybe 10, like you know, there was a DME brewery, yeah, in I like have in seen Michigan. them. There's, I, there's a couple of like I've seen breweries. one in, um. Nevada like yeah,
1: I knew there was one there was one in Michigan that yeah. is no longer in business because that's a terrible idea like would you go to a bakery no, where you it's, do like, everything, everything. cake
0: mixes no no like, yeah like you well I mean you can make a lot of great beer with yes. DME's like don't get me wrong but it was just weird to me because you do it all in the one fermenter like you, bo- you like you boil it yeah. you cool it down in there you pitch the yeast you just pull it off you carbonate it like everything's done in this one guy which must be a really great money saver. Like yeah. there's no brewery. Right, right. <laughs> it's just a bunch of takes. <laughs> I've seen one like that before, and I was it blew my mind. I was like, where? I did feel like it took away some, definitely a lot of the creative side of it. Not that you can't make great beer. I mean, you're still making a malt profile. You're still adding hops, sugar, right. whatever, but yeast. But, yeah, as a brewer, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I don't. It's cool, I guess. But That's yeah, good. Good a, for you. I mean, yeah, like, good for it, the person who wants to make beer without thing. making like, like so went, much work. Yeah,
1: if I went into a bakery and they're like, "Thanks, it's all from Duncan Hines that I bought," like they were like, "Buy one, get one" at the grocery store, I'd <laughs> be like, "What? What value are you adding to it that yeah. justifies me paying more for it?" Yeah, d- like
0: where where is the it's labor a weird cost? thing? I mean, I'm, in one way, I'm envious because it's like you skip all the work, right? A lot of the work, right? No, grain. but the work is
1: the best is, like, the best part.
0: Sure, Jen.
1: But you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> but, like, doing the, actually creating it and, you know, mashing in. Jen, and I'm stuff. just so tired. <laughs> I'm
0: so tired. All the mashing in. It's okay. Well, I luckily, I have an amazing team who's very helpful. With- and you make them mash. <laughs> Yeah, make them grain out. Yeah, Rachel, <laughs>
1: Rachel comes in again. You know, big coat, big sunglasses. I do net. It's not. stop my and style. Commands people around. Don't look me in the eye. <laughs>
0: grain out. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> they would not. They would tell you otherwise. Uh,
1: well, another thing that I have used DME uh, for before in regards to troubleshooting is if I'm not hitting my gravities while I'm boiling. Yeah. There, I don't remember the calculation off the top of my head. Again, you can find it online, probably on Brewer's Friend. Uh, but basically, what you do is you take where your finishing gravity um, is is supposed to be, and finishing gravity for the boil. Mm-hmm. And you take your gravity reading and subtract what that difference is, and then there's a formula that tells you how much DME you can add to hit that gravity. Yeah, and I had to do that one time also just the importance of being mindful and paying attention when you're brewing. Um, I was brewing uh, barley wine and I was doing it in three, I think it was like three, seven gallon batches. And I, on the third one, like I hit my gravity for one and two. And then on the third one I'm boiling and you know, this is uh, on a homebrew scale and this is before we had like temperature control. So it was still like filling up the buckets and all of that. So a lot more intensive than it is now for us. And, I'm checking my gravity, and it is so low, like mm-hmm. so, so low. And we can't figure out why. And then, like, I open up the freezer. I'm like, what's this 10-pound bag of grain <laughs> doing in here? Is this yours? This and should be like, in there. Yeah, and then it was realizing, like, oh, no. It's one of those things where, like, it's, like, flashing, like, scenes are flashing <laughs> before your eyes. And it was, like, I didn't I didn't mill, like, half of where my fermentable sugar was going to be coming yeah. from. And so it was just a really quick calculation to figure out how much DME I needed to add, and added that to get it up to my gravity. And since it was, it was all going into a barrel, so all all three batches were going to be blended anyway, um, and it was fine. Mm-hmm. But that's definitely a troubleshooting thing: is if you're not hitting your gravity, like you did something like I did, and you forgot to put in all of your grain, you can you can add DME to make sure that you're hitting that gravity. Yeah.
0: And then, so, you know, while we're talking about gravity, like, you're, and we're talking about your fermentable sugars that you're getting from your mash. So, when you do go to mash in, hopefully you've got your perfect water now, you've got your perfect milled grain, you're ready to mash in. So, there's a real art to getting this, hitting your mash temp. So, when we talk Mm -hmm. about your mash temp, we talk about when the water has mixed with the grain, it has now made this porridge-like substance, Mm -hmm. um, and your mass temp is going to dictate how much of those fermentable sugars you're able to pull out of that grain. So when you mill the grain, when you break it open, you're exposing this white starch Mm -hmm. that this is what you see in the grain. It's a white starch enzyme that mixes with water, and it turns to sugar. And at certain temperatures, bring out certain different long-chain or Mm -hmm. short-chain sugars. So if you want, like, a dry... I, I sometimes it's hard to sometimes this can be a little confusing when you go to explain it. but if you want a dry beer mean um, not t- not tasting very sweet, right you will mash at a lower temperature When I say lower, I mean like one forty six, one forty seven one forty eight and now it's going to bring out a lot of short chain sugars. So yeast eats short chain sugars easier than it does long chain sugars. So it tends to eat those short chain for mm-hmm. sugars first. If there are more of those, it will e- eat them as much as possible, and it will dry out the beer, not right. leaving any residual sugars. Now, if you're brewing something like a Belgian double, uh, quad, strong ale, uh, you know, whatever, something mm-hmm. a little bit higher yeah. alcohol. I do, a, I do a
1: higher mash temp when I brew my barley wine.
0: Yeah. So, a great example. We're talking about it on the opposite end, about 156, you know, mm-hmm. a mash temp. So, you're really bringing out more of those long chain sugars due to that higher mass temp, which are not consumable by yeast, not all of them, and leave residual sweetness in your beer. So a lot of times it can be confusing because you say, oh, well, you know, if it eats more of the yeast, it has higher alcohol. That is all relative to the style of beer. So just because you have a really dry IPA that's at 6% doesn't, it's all relative to the style so like a barley wine that has a lot of leftover sugars that aren't eaten by yeast still Mm -hmm. gonna be like a really maybe like 12 percent style or beer because you have brought out so much sugar and like you added you your recipe accounted for how much sugar you were bringing out so a lot of those times you know let's say you don't you know let's say it didn't go perfect (laughs) because when does it ever Um, let's say you just missed your target, you know, like Jen was mentioning, you missed that gravity target. So now there's a couple things you can do. You can add the DME. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're going to add DME, my suggestion is to add it at the last 10 minutes of the boil. Yes. Yeah. So 10 minutes before the boil is over one, you need to sanitize it. So that's the real goal here. It's already done its work. Mm -hmm. You're not, um, a a summarizing concentrating sugars or you're not, you know, you're just adding gravity um or if you have not if you're heating up your wort and you're taking your sample and it hasn't hit a boil yet and you have, let's say you're planning for a 60 minute boil add 15 or 30 minutes of time onto that boil mm-hmm. um do not confuse 60 minute hops with start of boil
1: yeah i've i've if i have a 90 minute boil i have to like deliberately walk myself yeah. through the exercise of boil starting is not 60 60 minute hops (laughs) unless it is right
0: and a lot of times it is for most styles you just need an hour boil so a lot of times you're just okay and most styles have a 60 minute addition so you're just like very if you're brewing a lot that's very ingrained in your mind but if you're going to add 30 minutes on you don't want to like boil those hops extra you don't need to it's still going to do exactly what it needs to do at the right time so you just boil for 30 minutes add your 60 minute hops and then continue on (laughs) (laughs) like and so, I, but it's a common mm-hmm. mistake. Common I just mistake.
1: To say again, like these are all troubleshooting tips we know because we we've have done, done it. them. <laughs> and if you do
0: mess up and add your 60-minute hops, it's fine. It's fine. like well, boiling hops for longer than 90 minutes can tend to bring out different flavors of that hop that you don't necessarily want. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do, like I said, you, it's fine. Like you're not going to, you're going to have a little bit higher of IBU extraction, but. It's fine, right? Don't worry about it. Um, just don't do it again. <laughs> and uh, but uh, better problems. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a really funny story about boiling. So, uh, if uh, and this is kind of a good point. If you're at sea level, boiling temp is two twelve. If you are, you know, at a higher altitude, like I used to work at Left Hand, you mm-hmm. know, when your wart hits two ten, it would be boiling. These are theories of physics yeah I don't know know. (laughs) we're so bad I just know about brewing but uh I once I once had someone ask me like all right mind you this person we were working together at a brewery he came from a different brewery that was not at any higher elevation than the current brewery so this person's like so yeah what do you guys like boil at here I'm like The kettle, we boil in the boil kettle. like No, no, like what temperature? Like 212. (laughs) He's like, oh, at our last brewery, we boiled at 210. I was like, no, you didn't. (laughs) No, you didn't. Maybe your temp probe was off. Common, very common. I can't tell you, like our temp probe at our brewery right now reads 211 when it's boiling. Right. Yeah, but that's also a good check. You did not boil so, just to, you know, something to check for. Just not not everything is perfect, okay, people? Your tempo might be 210, and it might be boiling. If it's boiling, it's boiling. <laughs> you can look at it. <laughs> a fucking idiot. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> that guy, I just, I can't even. <laughs> so this is my life with him for almost a year, and I, was, <laughs> I got so many stories, but I should not. This is, like, for a whole other uh, podcast Yeah, this is the Topic. Story. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways check your temp probe know your system if your temp probe is reading 210 and it's boiling away it's, fucking, it's boiling away okay it's not like oh wait let's get it to read 212 before i start that timer no it's not <laughs> going to read 212 so just as an example man i had that story written down on my notes <laughs> It's, it's the only thing i, I have saw, written down yeah rachel i like did suddenly not got a notebook out, and was I, did not out. Yeah. I did not want to forget i did not want to forget that story so <laughs> troubleshooting so you know what else we're talking about in the boil we're talking about oh if you uh do miss your gravity you do boil extra you don't have any dme let's say it's just going to be low gravity beer mm-hmm. adjust your hops Yes. Um, Don't over hop your beer unless you want to, whatever. It's fine. It's all like in the spirit of brewing art, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But if you really want to like get it perfect or you work at a production brewery and you have to brew the same beer all the time, then you really need to worry about it. But you need to go back into your program or whatever because no one's got this mental calculator and say, hey, now my beer is not 1050 original gravity. This is the sugar content after Mm -hmm. boil. Or you or or you know it's not going to be that high. You know it's only going to be like, ten forty five. Now your alpha acids are out of whack. Mm-hmm. So there is a chart you can pull up if you just want to s- Google something quick, which I always reference to when I'm making my recipes. You just Google like bitterness ratio to s- to specific gravity units, okay, um, or bitterness units to specific gravity ratio. Excuse me. And it's, uh, you know, Google image and a bunch of stuff will come up. But it has a chart per style. And it'll say this style should be this many bitterness units to specific gradi- ratio, okay. like 0.4. Okay. Right. And Beersmith has that, like, in their side column, like, under the design. And one of the, like, the bottom right-hand corner it says, it tells you as you put in your hops, like, what those units are. Just match that to your style. Do a little, whatever the beer is, if you want, like, if you, if it's an IPA, you want all these additions, that's fine, just at the end number, match that. So, if you need a, something to refer by, like, shit, I, you know, this beer is, like, it's got too much hops for what the gravity's going to be, so just go back and dial that hop number down until you match that bitterness ratio. This is assuming you're using um, a program that's going to tell you that, but. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. There, there I've never are, used that before. There are hand calculations. I could not tell you what those are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not there. Right, right. Hopefully that's not all Master Cicerone. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, so, there... Well, it will be now. Yeah, sorry. they heard me hear like, hmm, that's the Grand Master Cicerone. yeah. I'm that's waiting. i waiting uh, for that. I bet yeah. you. I bet
1: you that happens one day. Yeah, they they joke about the like the next level above Cisterna or above master sister is going to be you have to tell the brand when they open the bottle <laughs> <laughs> by the sound it makes when they open the can <laughs> the can or the bottle. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I would say we. So we're at we're, we're done boiling our boil.
0: you don't. Yeah, let's finish our boil. Yeah. So
1: then our next stage is going to be fermentation, and I think that that's probably since we already bitched about draft systems at the beginning went a little bit out of order um the i think the fermentation troubleshooting is really going to be the bulk of the next episode yeah uh so we can wrap up this one now knowing that our our boil is finished we've hit all of our numbers our what whatever you just said the bitterness ratio is
0: we're halfsters is yeah we're We're always learning (laughs) yeah no that's a real thing Google it. Yes. Bitterness units to specific gravity uh, gravity ratio chart. I'm. You th- put that in your Google. I'm. I'm going to actually. I have I use it. it. I have. I have it laminated in my little book and every every recipe.
1: Nice. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, once again, if you don't mind taking some time to review us on your favorite platform, not on Untapped.
0: Um <laughs> 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 they don't. You can't <laughs> review us on <laughs> Untapped. <laughs> Not yet. Don't give them any ideas.
1: Uh, But yeah, and give us a follow at False Bottom Girls on Facebook and Instagram. And for our next episode, we will be pew, 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 troubleshooting fermentation.
0: She missed that time. (laughs) Thanks, everyone.
1: This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the brewing world go round.